Hey guys, this is your boy Luis, one of the interns here at Richmond Chi Alpha, introducing a new sermon series called Transform, How to Change to Make a Change. And our very own Marcus Floyd is introducing, introducing our sermon series called Training Over Trying, as he lays down the foundation of how we can be trained over doing more. Um, so further ado, here's our boy Marcus Floyd. Hope you guys enjoy. Don't forget to like, share, and let people know. So back in the fall, I ran a race in September. It was a 6K, and I was talking this, up, this race up with friends and family, and there was the idea of running that I had in my mind, and then the and then there's the actual race. Um, at the beginning, even with some practice runs I did, I just wanted to fast for the practices and just miraculously end up coasting the race on race day. You know, that sounds silly, but I actually was thinking that way when it came to getting ready for this race. Being able to withstand those miles on race day in the hills, though, meant that I needed to commit myself to a regular, consistent rhythm of training. I committed to the regular practices after work and... As much as I wanted it to be true, I wish I could just sit on the couch and just let time go by and just think really, really hard about being ready for race day. And at that point, I'd be ready for the race. But that's not how it works. That's not how the world works. Um, I had to be intentional about running that race. So I ended up running the race and it was great. And I got second place in my age group and it was a mountaintop experience. For sure. But uh, guess what? I came down with COVID-19 the next day. So I was out of it for a whole week. It was awful. And to be honest, I haven't really been out running ever since. Occasionally, I dabble here and there going for runs. Um, but I really want to be back in that running form. Even on Sunday, Mike and... Nate were talking about running a half marathon in April, and I was like, that sounds great. Awesome. I want to do that. But I recognize even now the gap of where I am and where I want to be. But there's some resistance in me that I just, I just can't force will myself out to run, um, Pretending or trying to imagine that I'm in race form is not going to make it work. After regularly and routinely practice and going on regular runs, I'm resisting those steps that I need to step into for change to being able to run that half marathon in April. I think we all experience that gap of where we are and where we want to be. And it's not just with exercise and that's the case with your classes as well. I mean, by this point, I imagine everyone has checked out the syllabus. Um, we're beyond the first week. Um, you look at the different chapters and topics the class will be going through, and you can't master everything 100% flawlessly by just being spontaneous about when you're going to study and then expect to pass the class. Well, studying consistently over the course of the semester, you end up understanding the concepts and doing well in the classes when it comes to when it comes down to finals later in the spring. That's typically how it works. Now, I understand that for some of us, uh, no matter 
how much you study, <laughs> how much time you set aside to practice regularly, whether it be chemistry, all that, you still don't do well in the class because the professor is is not very nice. I understand that. There are some exceptions. But whether it be exercise, classes, or so many other areas in our lives, we end up coming up to a gap. When one spot, we can see that there's so much more that we can be. Even if we can't articulate it in specific language, we, we understand that there's a place that we can be that we're not at. The biggest area we find this in is in our spiritual lives, our walk with Jesus. I noticed it in my life for sure that there's a gap in where I am. There's a gap where we are and where we want to be. We attend church, small group, serve, volunteer, come to Wednesday Night Live, pray, but there's still this gap. We come up against sin patterns and brokenness in our own heart. And we don't just hurt ourselves, we hurt people around us as well. We let slip a sarcastic comment we wish we could take back. We're on edge and we're worried and we're anxious. That thing that we promised God we wouldn't do, we do it again. When we realize we've messed up again, we either throw our hands up and say, forget it. This is just what I have to deal with. Or we respond in this way. I just need to try harder to be good. I just need to try harder to be a good Christian. I just have to try harder to be a good person. But here's the problem with trying harder. Here's the problem with that response when we desire for change in our lives. It doesn't produce lasting change in our lives. Motivation, uh, the, uh, uh, motivation coming from um, guilt and shame does not produce lasting change. The world sees what Christians profess trying harder, but oftentimes not seeing that translate in actual transformation in our lives. What we say looks very different from how we live. And why should the world even care what we say about Jesus if our lives look no different from everyone else? And I think if we're honest, as Christians, we can wonder, is transformation in Jesus actually possible? And we wonder, what's the point of engaging with the Bible, prayer, worship? Are these different things to make God happy with us? Is the point to have something to prove to ourselves or our peers that we're religious? How do we change? How are we transformed? Yes, I know those are a lot of questions. And we're going to unpack all of this and more over the coming weeks. But first, I want to address this. Uh, the purpose of transformation. Transformation is not to be a better person or to be happier or to be true to ourselves. Transformation is not coming up with a wish list of our greatest dreams of personal success and then Jesus is just the rocket fuel to get there wherever we want to go. Transformation is, but the transformation, the purpose of transformation is to become more like Jesus. And that transformation can only happen through Jesus. It's addressing the sin in our lives that prevents us from loving God and loving others in the world. 
Transformation in Jesus is a renewing of our heart. So there's a barrier to this transformation. And it's this worldview of be true to yourself or to follow your heart. It's very popular and it's very appealing, but it can't lead to lasting transformation. Being true to yourself, it can't bridge the gap between where we are and where we want to be. To be true to yourself, worldview just leads us to look at ourselves. And that's a problem because the bridge to transformation comes from the outside of us. We can't create wholeness from our own brokenness. God needs to come in and do the transforming work in us to bridge the gap, the work that only he can do. Because Jesus is the architect and the engineer of our hearts. And yes, Jesus loves us. He meets us where we are, yes. And he loves us so much that he refuses to leave us where we are. His desire is to transform us from the inside out. The question is though, will we partner with him? Will we partner with the great architect of our heart, the great engineer of our heart? We're gonna be on, our, on a journey together, exploring, discovering, experiencing how we are transformed by God in our lives when we partner with him. The point of the journey with God is this, unity with Jesus to become like him, to be like him for the sake of the world. We're going to be exploring these topics of transformation in our new sermon series called Transformed, How to Change to Make a Change. And with this message, we're going to be talking about how to have our backpacks ready for this journey, for this sermon series. So we're going to look at a short passage in the Gospel of Matthew. It's Jesus' conversation with the religious leaders about the greatest commandment in the scriptures. Jesus' reply tells us a lot about God, how we relate to him and others, and it'll pave the way for what we step into these upcoming weeks. So let's go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 33, excuse me, verses 34 through 40. So a little bit of context. So Jesus is in Jerusalem with his disciples. And um, as he's been in Jerusalem, he's been sharing about the kingdom of God. Um, people have been listening to Jesus's teachings. And it's caused some uh, attention from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, they were eager to talk with Jesus, but not to learn from him, but to try to trap him with their questions. To paint Jesus as an enemy against the Roman Empire or an enemy of the God of Israel. So let's jump in, starting with verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament, and he and 
the religious leaders would have been very familiar with these commandments from God. And these commandments were given to God's people, not out of a lifeless to-do list. God's people uh, were to be in relationship with him. These commandments uh, are full of encounter to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. The context of these commandments come out of relationship that God initiated with Israel. People that were former slaves in Egypt were being led into the wilderness to be with God. They were called to be with him, his people, and to represent God to the nations. Living in relationship with God, with this covenant, they were to set themselves apart from the nations and to be like him. But Israel couldn't live out this relationship faithfully. They failed time and time again. And the Old Testament story shows that. So who could truly embody and live out this commandment? It's Jesus. Jesus was the one who was fulfilling this commandment. Jesus was loving the Lord with his, the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, and with his mind. In perfect relationship with the Father, loving the world fully. Notice that Jesus responds to the religious leaders with two commandments. Love God and others. To love God is to love neighbor and to love neighbor is to love God. The two commandments are interconnected. Jesus, being fully God and fully human, fulfills what Israel and humanity was always meant to be from the very beginning. An unbroken union with God. Formed, reflecting who God is back to the world. Jesus was fulfilling everything in the law and prophets. They all, it all pointed back to Jesus. So Jesus fulfilled these commandments and his disciples were learning from him and being formed by Jesus by being with him. And Jesus extended this, that, Jesus extends the same invitation to each one of us. Whether you've been following him for a short time, long time, or even considering who Jesus is now, considering the gospel, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves, when you boil it down, are the two areas we need the transformation of Jesus in our lives. And it's what we've been designed for, each one of us. So how is the gap bridged? How how does transformation happen? It's training under Jesus. Now, when I say training, we might resist this idea of training because it sounds legalistic or inauthentic or rigid. The reality is we are already being trained. We already have a trainer. We are hardwired for rhythm and habit. The question is, who are you being trained by? Who is your trainer? Is your trainer the daily news cycle? Social media? Entertainment? Who is your trainer? Training under Jesus is what we're made for. This formation and transformation is available for each and every one of us. The key is to have Jesus as our trainer. Being formed by him and becoming like him doesn't mean trying harder. Because trying harder causes us to look like that guy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but 
there's a meme on the internet with a guy who's in a classroom who's straining really, really hard with veins popping out of his head. He's straining so hard. That's what trying harder looks like. We have our fists clenched, trying so hard to make things happen. Trying harder is reactionary, symptomatic, outward focused, guilt driven, overreaching and self-centered. That's trying harder. And it causes us to, I know I'm guilty of this, when people ask, hey, how's your day going? And trying to put a positive spin on it when your day is really not going great. And, but you just respond with a knee-jerk reaction saying, everything's fine, everything's good. And that makes me think of that meme of that dog <laughs> on the internet where he's in a house and he's like, it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. But then in the second image, the entire house is on fire and the dog is still sitting there with his tea or his coffee and saying, it's fine. That's what trying harder leads us to. Causes us to be inauthentic. But training? Training is intentional. It's holistic. It's transform. It causes transformation. It's encouraging. It's realistic. It's community-based. What training looks like is if we have a prideful heart or a selfish heart, it's training under Jesus and stepping in to the practice of generosity, serving others. Or if you're angry with someone and you don't like someone, or even you, maybe you hate someone, training under Jesus is prayer. Training under Jesus is praying on a regular basis for that person that you dislike. And through that training, transformation happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so hatred and anger begins to be transformed to look like a heart that looks like Jesus. Or anxiousness and worry. Training under Jesus looks like scripture memorization. And through memorizing scripture, allowing that to fill our hearts, to fill our minds over time, with that regular training, we make space for God to transform our thoughts and our heart posture. Training is a different way to live, a way of actual transformation. It's training with intent under Jesus. Because when we try to try, when, when we try harder, all these things lead us to being exhausted and frustrated and just feeling lost. But when we train under Jesus, transformation can happen. And I want us to remember the why behind training. Why be transformed? It's union with Christ for his glory and for the sake of the world, ultimately fulfilling Jesus' great commission. Notice these things leads us to recognize that transformation is a work that God does in us. He's the focus of our training. When we try to focus on trying harder, it leads us looking in on ourselves, this very self 
focus. But when we train under Jesus, our focus is on him. This is super important as we go forward um, throughout the semester. And so I have a personal example uh, recently of me just trying harder in my walk with Jesus. So we were wrapping up the fall semester and getting to the end of the year, and I was very tired, very tired. I had a very stuffed schedule, and I was very easily irritable. Um, so the day after my birthday, uh, excuse me, the day before my birthday, uh, I made a plan to reflect on turning 30. Uh, so there's this nice little lake pond area near where I live. So I walked over there and the plan was to go for a walk, just reflect on the past decade and to spend some time in prayer. So I saw the, uh, a bench and I walked down, sat and I closed my eyes and I was trying to pray. And then all of a sudden I just fall asleep. I was knocked out. I was gone. Like. <laughs> gone gone it was I don't know how long I was asleep was it five minutes ten minutes half an hour who could say but I was knocked out so someone could have walked by and drew on my face with a permanent marker or something and I totally would not have felt it at all but eventually I woke up with bible next to me and my journal and I felt so ashamed uh, and embarrassed and As I was sitting there, I just felt this impression from the Holy Spirit telling me, Marcus, you're, you're tired. Come rest in me. And I really needed to hear that because I was so embarrassed. I was like, I can't even pray to God because I'm so tired. But that reminder from him, that invitation to come and rest from him, come to rest in him, I really, really needed that. So a month later, I went on a soul care retreat and um, had some intentional time to process what the Lord was inviting me into. And he lovingly corrected me and showed me how I really love control and also the pace at, that I was going with my life. It was not suitable to hold the things that God wants to do in my life and the transformation that God wants to bring in my life. Things had to be different. Things had to be different. And so I made a decision coming from those days of training with intention under Jesus that instead of trying harder day by day, by the kindness of Jesus, um, that I'm gonna make space for him to train under him and as I've been walking for these past couple of months, I've seen Jesus do some really cool things in my heart as I've been training under him and shifting my perspective from trying harder to training. And I'm still in process. I'm still training. But I know that my trainer is full of grace and he will lead me to, um, to be more like him. And so my question is, Will you join me? Will you join us, Richmond Kyle, as we're all on the journey towards transformation? Imagine what God can do in us as we train with him. And over time, day by day, moment by moment, we become 
like Jesus, having a heart like his, and impacting our campuses and the world around us. Loving God and loving neighbor as ourselves, even in the darkest times, um, is something that I have my heart focused on. Jesus is the model of that, and there have been so many people throughout history who have um, exemplified that. Now, I want to close with um, that example, and that's Cory Ten Boone's story. Um, Cory Ten Boone was um, a Dutch watchmaker and a Christian writer, and uh, her story was shared on a recent Bible Bible Project podcast, and it was really, really fascinating. Um, uh, Corey was a Christian writer, and she was a watchmaker, and Corey and her family hit Jewish refugees and uh, joined the Dutch resistance movement against Nazi Germany in World War II. Corey and her family built a secret room behind a false wall in her bedroom to hide the refugees, and the family was eventually betrayed, and the Nazi police captured Corey and her family. The police never found the secret room, and the Jewish refugees were able to escape. Corey and her sister were sent to a concentration camp, and her sister and her dad died there. But Corey survived. She wrote in a memoir called The Hiding Place, and years later, after surviving the concentration camp, uh, she's preaching forgiveness in Germany, and she looks in the audience and sees one of the guards from the concentration camp and uh, the concentration camp she and her family were placed in. The guard was standing in front of her. When she was looking at him, and it brought back to it brought her back to when she saw him at, in the concentration camp. It brought her back to the awful experience she went through as a prisoner in the camp. It brought her back to the moments the guard participated in her suffering and witnessed her suffer. After her preaching, the guard walks up to her and says, I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I've done, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. He sticks out his hands and says, Will you forgive me? Keep in mind, she had just finished a teaching about Jesus' forgiveness. Curry goes on to say this, in the book. It could not have been many seconds with his hands held out before me, but to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do, for I had to do it. I knew that if you do not forgive men for their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldest coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand in the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. This current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. 
I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we, grasp, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. What a powerful example of loving God and loving neighbor. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I imagine Corey's training did not start at that moment with her encounter with the former guard. I imagine all, all of her training led up to that moment. Her daily yes to Jesus, partnering with him, led to that powerful moment of kingdom of heaven forgiveness. Instead of trying harder, what if you trained with intention under Jesus? What if the anger, the pride, the anxious thoughts were submitted to Jesus in the form of training and training under Jesus leading to transformation? This transformation would lead would leave room for us to love our neighbors well on campus as we are transformed, pointing them to Jesus, the one who is willing, able, and faithful to transform anyone and everyone who says yes to him. And maybe you're thinking, I need some time to process this. And that question of, can you actually trust Jesus to transform your life? I want to invite us to allow God through his word to interact with us, to train our hearts to be sensitive to God's love and being sensitive to his love, we're able to respond to him and the world with his love. And so I wanna lead and end with a training practice, an ancient, spiritual, an ancient Christian uh, spiritual practice that helps us to train to receive God's love with scripture. Uh, it's called Lectio Divina. And I'm going to read a short passage, and then um, as I close and wrap up here, I want you to meditate on this passage. Focus on a word or a couple of words that stand out to you or a phrase. Stay there in this moment of listening and ask the Lord how he's inviting you in this moment to respond to him. And then after a few moments, I'm going to pray. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I pray that you would help us, help me and to help all of us 
to come under you, under your graceful care, to be trained by you. And being trained by you, partnering with you, Lord, that you would bring transformation in our lives and through our lives. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.